Hey there, and welcome to Marvel by the Month, the podcast that takes you through the history of Marvel Comics. One month at a time, and this episode that month is October 1970. My name is Brian Stratton. Mine is Rob Milne. And mine is Jamie Wenger. And we are coming to you live from Portland, Oregon. Uh, so this is a, a very special episode, um, not just because uh, Rob is going to teach us a lesson about the dangers of uh, huffing airplane glue. Uh, it's our 150th episode. Um, now that I'm saying that out loud, it is finally sinking in. Um, I, I've, Rob, we've been doing one of these like every single week for like the last three years almost. Yeah, you you made a schedule. I showed up like a good bass player and <laughs> here we are <laughs> and like every time we hit one of these milestones uh, I always say that I we never expected to be doing this for this long but uh, it's absolutely true Rob and I basically started doing this podcast um, because we were bad at running a business together um, but we were really good at hanging out all day uh, and talking about comic books mm-hmm. um, so we said what if we just did that part um, and if we're already good at working hard and not making any money from it, um, well, the next logical step is to start a podcast. Uh, so that's what we did. Um, we've done it for about a hundred episodes. Um, and then, uh, it started becoming a lot more work. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. Marvel has published like a lot of comic books, uh, <laughs> many and yeah, we, we locked ourselves in really early on to a, a premise that said uh, we got to read all of them. Um, so it was becoming unmanageable. Um, and that's when uh, Jamie approached us and he said, hey, I'm looking for an unpaid internship that never ends where I won't develop any practical skills. And we said, we have, uh, we have an opportunity for you, son. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you. thank you for that. Yeah, uh, we, we signed him up. Uh, he hasn't figured out how to quit. Um, and so that's how we wound up here. Uh, we are so delighted to be here with you tonight. Um, this is only our second ever live show. Um, that we've ever done. Uh, the first one was in February of 2020. Um, we thought it was going to be the start of something huge. <laughs> and um, it was. And it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just if you look at it from a certain perspective. Uh, at the, at the very be- from the very beginning of the podcast, our tagline was stay inside and read comics. Um, and that took on a, a very different meaning uh, about an, a year into the podcast. About a, you know two weeks after we did our live show the yeah. first time. Yeah. Yep. Mm, um, so it is so great to be here with you all tonight. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for getting vaccinated. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, we are uh, very excited to tell you uh, about three of the comics that Marvel published in October of 1970. Uh, but before we do that, we do have to uh, share a word from this week's sponsor. So, uh, Rob, who have we got this week? Well, we have Love Light Psychedelic Lamp. Exciting light show. Imagine you assemble from parts we send you. And you wind up with a terrifical psychedelic lamp that flashes, fades, fluctuates, pulsates in multicolors in time to music you play. Why, why did you put in time in air quotes? Picture a room, total darkness, total silence. Then music with sound and color. The walls and ceilings explode, beating and throbbing together in seemingly perfect harmony. The love light creates the ultimate psychedelic mood in time to your favorite music you play from rock to Bach. And you assemble it yourself. Save and earn money. Whoa, 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 wait. What's this about earning money? Tell me more. Who can I sell these to? Sell them to everybody. Everybody is captivated and fascinated. Be the first to make your own for yourself and friends. Make them to sell at a handsome profit. You pay only $5, sell for $6, $7, or even $10. This does <laughs> this, does, <laughs> this doesn't seem like a super baked in business model. Throw a love light party, invite boys to assemble love lights and stay for a come together jam session or Woodstock festival party. Order six at $3 and 33 cents each. 
durable plastic. Guaranteed to deliver psycho delicious thrills or money back. Uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, I guess <laughs> thank you to uh, Love Light Psychedelic Lamp for sponsoring our 150th episode. Uh, uh, order now. <laughs> All right, and now it is my very great pleasure uh, to introduce you to our very special guest for this evening. Uh, she is the New York Times bestselling author of Heartsick, Sweetheart, Evil at Heart, The Night Season, many other critically acclaimed books that do not have pictures in them. Uh, she's also the writer of Marvel Comics Eisner-nominated Mockingbird uh, and the co-creator of Man Eaters, published by Image Comics. She has been described as having a ferocious sense of humor by Stephen King <laughs> and steamy and perverse by the New York Times. Uh, she is way out of our league, but here she is making her second appearance on Marvel by the Month. Please welcome our good friend and yours, Chelsea Kane. gentlemen oh, hi. <laughs> thank you for joining us chelsea i'm like honey mark my husband i need another glass of wine <laughs> i have that effect <laughs> uh, so, at least one <laughs> so chelsea uh thank you for joining us um as i mentioned you have been on the show once before i think that was before we had added uh jamie to the the hosting crew um, Hello, Jamie. Hi. So. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so steamy in here. Yeah. Quite honestly, we were a little concerned uh, that he might faint upon meeting you, so uh, we were we were holding him back. Um, he's what you would call a real Chelsea Kaniac. Uh, so yeah. I read, um, uh, I read about uh, seven or eight of your books last year, uh, and reread uh, Mockingbird uh, last week, and it's all amazing. My wife and I, we love you and talk about you. More than you'd probably be comfortable with. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. Yeah, we'll get along just fine. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, please go easy on him or torment him if you think that's going to make for better audio. Understand like, that when I torment people, it's because I love them. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Um, so, Chelsea, I think there's probably some people listening uh, who are familiar with your books, but not with the fact that you grew up um, as a giant Marvel Comics nerd. Um, do you mind just telling folks a little bit about your history reading Marvel? Yeah, well, like, like and I want to make it clear when I say that I grew up as a, I don't think that's true, as a giant Marvel Comics nerd. I grew up as a girl, and <laughs> comics were, like, limited to me. Sure. Right? Right. I think that's really important. It's very different than, say, like, my husband, who grew up as a legit comic, like, Marvel Comics nerd. I did not know how to get comics, Right. As a girl, I did not feel comfortable going into stores to get comics as a girl. I got them as hand-me-downs for my cousin, Jason, <laughs> who was who was a Marvel nerd and therefore got me all of the comics. Mm. Yeah. And then also a little, little bit of DC, a little bit of like, you know, a little bit of Teen Titans, you know, mm -hmm. just to kind of mm -hmm. keep things interesting. <laughs> a little bit of Batman. Um, <laughs> but like mostly it was it was like, yeah, Avengers and Alpha Flight and and yeah. X-Men. Um, so like, that's what I oriented to and what I loved. Nice. Um, and still like I write, I, like I write books without pictures mostly. Justine, thank you. Um, <laughs> I write books without pictures mostly. And uh, there is something to the larger narrative. Like that's what I always loved, right? Certainly about you know, the Dark Phoenix saga or the stuff that kind of like I like that really kind of brought me to comics as a kid. Um, it, it was that that kind of like longer like soap opera narrative yeah. that was just the best. That was the best. The stuff that could live in my head as long as possible um, that would pay off, you know, like 30 issues later. Like mm -hmm. I just always really, 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 really loved that. Very so nice. Was, was like writing comics something that you wanted to try for a long time? Like, because you started with books and then graduated yeah. to less <laughs> less words. Like, I love that you think of it as graduated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I uh, ended up uh, just getting caught up with a group with a you know a scurvy group of mm -hmm. comic book writers here in Portland, Oregon. Um, 
yeah, my husband and I um, just became couple friends with um, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction, mm-hmm. who who write a lot of comics. And mm-hmm. just in, in once that happened, suddenly, like I, I describe it as like feeding pigeons in a park, mm. right? <laughs> Where you feed a couple pigeons and they're like, hey. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? Like there's suddenly there's 30 pigeons. And like suddenly all the people we knew were writing comics. And all they like this is a fun fact about people who make comics. All they want to talk about is making comics. It's all they want to talk about all of the time. And so we would hang out with with these group, these groups of people. And, you know, like everybody just wanted to talk about like not even wanted it like that. That implies intention. Mm. <laughs> right. Right. They just talked about comics all yeah. the time. And uh, and I found that so incredibly interesting uh, in terms of as a storyteller, I have always been so invested in different ways to tell stories. And uh, as somebody who has read comics, again, I have been in and out of comics my whole life. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in, I'm totally in. Like, and this is true of my life in general. Like, when I'm in something, I do it 130 <laughs> percent. Um, so I would come in and out of comics like that, and and I really I was so interested in that idea of um, you know, like how do you tell this story? And I had like come back in, like I like I was out of comics for, you know, probably, Jesus, like 10 years. Um, what brought me back in was um, Alias by mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Like that that was like literally the comic that brought yeah, me back into yeah. comics. Because um, it was like, oh my God, like, oh, you can, you can tell this story. <laughs> like this is smart and adult and kind of referential. And uh, yeah, like I loved it so much. And and then all the, the kind of ultimate stuff that was happening at that point. So that, that kind of brought me back into that scene. And and then getting to, you know, kind of hang out with these people like Matt, who had um, published like Hawkeye was coming out when we first started hanging out with Matt, like in, on a regular basis. And I love that comic. Like I like Hawkeye, like Matt Fractions running Hawkeye. Like, and I know it's kind of lame to say because people are like, oh, I know everybody loves that. And it feels like, okay. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, right. And yet. I'd say it's one of the five best things that's ever been done with Hawkeye. Maybe (laughs) 10. Maybe 10 best things that's ever been done with Hawkeye. It's a really good run. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, he found a way to tell a story in comics, much like Bendis did with Alias, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like to find a way to tell a story that. like I, you know, like I, people would ask me, "What are your favorite novels?" Right, and I would list Alias as one of them. Mm-hmm. Right, like I, you know, it, it is it is as legitimate and as engrossing as any kind of novel. And and I was so interested in like how the how do they? I can swear all the time, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, how the fuck do they do that? Like with Watch like your mouth holder. with pictures and words in like thirty two pages. Like yeah. how do you? How are they? finding a way to make me feel so much in the most distilled way possible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like a poem. Like you just, you're stripping out yeah. everything. It's, it's <laughs> just so incredibly impressive. Um, and, and especially when I started like looking at like, because Matt was a friend, like looking at his comics and like, I was just like, I'm just going to spend an hour with this dissecting it and trying to figure out like how he is doing this just as a puzzle box, like just, because I want to understand how narrative works, right? Because um, this will make me a better writer, no matter what I am writing. And, and so, like, I was just really in that head, that headspace of trying to figure out, like, how he, like, trying to crack it, yeah. trying to crack it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I, and I started thinking, like, well, if, well, now that I'm cracked, comic <laughs> 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 books. I thought, like, what if, like, if I if I were to write a comic, what would it, what kind of comic would I want to write? And I thought immediately, honestly, what I thought was, I would like to write a Sue Storm comic. Oh wow, yeah. Because <laughs> that is a woman who's been underserved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's right there in the name. Can she like kill Reed Richards in the yeah. story? No, like, I just, yeah. like, like what I thought was 
like, what is a way, like, I, I really want to think about, like, a, a story I can tell in comics, because, like, what is the point of doing it, right, unless I'm doing something different? Yeah. What is, like, what what story can I tell that um, is a different take? Mm. And and I, and I thought, like, again, as a novel writer, I'm very invested in point of view. I think point of view is incredibly underserved in comics, almost entirely. 90% of comics have mm-hmm. no point of view. Um, and I think this really underserves almost everybody but white men. Uh, I think canon underserves almost everybody but white men. And I wanted to figure out a way to tell a story that challenges canon, that, that looks at a female character's point of view and is like, so you know this whole batshit backstory that you know, like you've been hearing? Because this this female character, we've only ever seen service male characters, which I get, I, I, like I understand that, right? But like, what if we like look at actually like her point of view of that? Mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be different. I think that she would see those stories differently than all of the kind of like male point of views hitherto um, that tell her story. And so like, yeah, Mockingbird seemed perfect. You know, Bobby Morris, who is who is such a smart, educated, clever character who, when she's written really well, is, um, you know, like she's she's badass and she's so she's she gives Hawkeye so much shit. Right. <laughs> but people who know who Bobby Morris is, think of her as Hawkeye's ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still always through his yeah. lens. And I thought, like, how great would it be to actually, like, tell her version of events? Because I bet, like, the whole ghost cowboy rape thing is different in her telling. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 And and you wrote Walking Bird and everything was totally cool. Yeah, and, and it all worked out great. <laughs> there was no uh, complications yeah. whatsoever. Nobody yeah. gave me any. There, yeah, there's no blowback at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, talking about uh, canon and uh, perhaps female characters being underserved, uh, maybe we should uh, use that as a transition to dive into uh, the issues that we're going to be talking about tonight. So, uh, Rob, Captain America. Number 133, Madness in the Slums. Uh, this is written by Stan Lee, art by Gene Colan and Dick Ayers. Uh, previously in Captain America... Cat met the Falcon about a year and a half ago on a Caribbean island while fighting the Red Skull's lackeys. The Falcon was Marvel's first African-American superhero. Uh, Marvel can claim credit for introducing both the first black superhero, the Black Panther, in mainstream comics, and the first African-American superhero with Falcon. So uh, Cap and Falcon have teamed up several times since, uh, but recently Cap has gone on a solo, Easy Rider-style journey across America. And in uh, last issue, it appeared that Cap's presumed dead World War II partner, Bucky Barnes, had actually survived his apparent death. Uh, Falcon seemed to be kind of bummed out about it because he thought he and Cap were going to partner up going forward. Uh, it turned out that fake Bucky was actually a robot commissioned by Modoc <laughs> and built by Dr. Doom. What a team up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, because obviously Bucky definitely died in World War II and is never coming back. Yeah, Marvel ever. would never, never. do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Winter soldier. <coughs> Winter. Uh, yeah, so uh, this story picks up where the last issue left off. Modoc, the leader of advanced idea mechanics, is mad at his underlings at AIM for screwing up the Bucky He's plot. such an Easter egg. I He's love such it. such an Easter egg. One of the great character designs in all of comics. <laughs> like, what were those meetings like? like well, there you don't like, think he looks too much like an egg, do you? No, <laughs> no I want to say, like, I find Modoc legit scary. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's what's incredible about him is that he is legit scary and also adorable at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. confusing. Yeah. It's emotionally it, it, confusing. Right, right. Those, yeah. those feelings clash. He's, he's, uh, yeah. yeah, he's kind of a baby, but he's also a monster. His tiny yeah. arms and legs, <laughs> right, right. and he's so scared. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like a super vicious koala. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> koala designed only for killing. <laughs> Uh, almost. It's almost Kodak. Uh, <laughs> the, the beekeeping scientists of AIM beg... Uh, oh, it's, 
So they beg for mercy from Modoc, apparently forgetting that mercy is not one of AIM's core values. Uh, and when you are a mental organism designed only for killing, the solution to every problem is murder via mental blast. Uh, Modoc says he could easily do the same to Captain America, but he wants to make Cap suffer as he himself has suffered. Look, what yeah. I love about this comic more than anything is that it's clearly the writer working out some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stan had a lot on his mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Modoc flashes back to the day when he was brought before Ames Scientist Supreme and involuntarily volunteered to uh, have science done to him. <laughs> Volunteer, like mercy, is again one of those words that doesn't really appear in the AIM handbook. Yeah. So uh, the first thing the Scientist Supreme does upon seeing him emerge from the alteration chamber is to is declare that he's designed only for killing, of course. Really uh, want to hit that note. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, it says it right on the folder. Like, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Does he do anything else? Nope. It's a surprise. And then uh, he calls him a freak, an inhuman monstrosity. Uh, so you have a pretty good idea of where this is going. Um, Modoc killed the scientist supreme with a brain blast and took control of aim, just like he was designed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but he's still very sad about being a giant head in a floating chair who's <laughs> Arms are just barely long enough to reach his eyes and hide his freakish, inhuman tears. <laughs> and his bangs are caught in the headband. Oh, it's like that's so the worst. itchy, right? It's like itchy all the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the most heartbreaking panel of anything that we read this month. Oh yeah. Just look at how sad this he is. This is almost as bad as Captain oh. Stacy dying last yeah, month. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He he. Um, even worse, his ever-present cameras taunt him. With, a, with spy footage of Captain America burying his Bucky robot and rubbing his nose in his latest failure. <laughs> Y'all like child death? <laughs> Cap is weird about Bucky. Yeah. Um, hey, Rob, if you go back like three, I think we can cheer everyone up. <laughs> <laughs> Again, one more. Look at him zip around. Yeah! Look at the fun, bro. <laughs> yeah, there was an ejaculation, <laughs> ejaculation joke there. For Just remember sure. the good times. <laughs> I think about that. Oh, I know. It, it, oh. No, 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 no. I, I feel that's fair, and I would also say that I think that this whole issue, and you know, I'm going to say this. Oh yeah, a love story between Cap and Falcon. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We Did you think we were going to argue with you? Everybody take a drink. So I'm going to make it clear that that's what this is. And it's one of the early versions because that oh, yeah. love story has been told many times. Yes. In yeah. <laughs> when they first met uh, in the Caribbean, they were, the, it was really like love on the beach. They were undressed. Yeah. 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 I remember them being shirtless at least. Yeah. No, yeah. seriously, you guys. They were, they were <laughs> wrestling. This is, this is not funny. This good. is actual serious Roman. comic book business. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Modoc ob uh, observes Cap as he heads to Harlem to hang out with the Falcon and uh, chase down some local hoods. But Modoc is not the sort of mental organism that wallows in self-pity. It's uh, not what it stands for. He gets right back on his evil science horse and reactivates the alteration chamber that created him. Uh, this time he's going to use it to create a monster from lifeless clay. And its name is the Bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> oh man Modoc deploys the bulldozer to the Lincoln Tunnel and it starts smashing its way toward Harlem and the NYPD are just helpless to stop it uh, meanwhile in Harlem Cap and Falcon are having a pretty heavy conversation Cap reveals his secret identity to Falcon and says he wants Falcon to trust him as much as he trusts Falcon uh huh mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> I'm a confirmed bachelor. How about you? <laughs> I'm a loner, Dottie. Uh, so yeah, loner. We know what that means. <laughs> uh, Steve Rogers thinks that the two of them have a lot in common. And Falcon says he thinks he knows what Steve is getting at. Yeah. This, I mean, this is absolutely like a romantic scene. Like it's yeah. got like. Yeah. No, I'm like serious. I think yeah, it yeah. is. We, we said and, this uh, last week. Like, it's not the subtext; it's the text. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, things that they're saying and doing. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I, so I have a, a theory about why we see this kind of recur 
time and time again. And I think part of it has to do with the comics code at the time. Like it was so restrictive about what you could show in a romantic relationship between a, you know, a heterosexual romantic relationship between a man and a woman that I think they had to, they had to put that somewhere. Mm. And I think that's, this is like, they can show two dudes having this really intimate relationship because, you know, it's 1970. It's like, well, obviously they're just friends, you know, like, and I think that's, I think that's how they're getting around it. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a pretty good theory. (laughs) No, like I, like I think we've got to give the people who make these comic books a lot, like the benefit of the doubt. Like they were all people who probably were more, I don't know, engaged or progressive than maybe mainstream America. Oh, I think that's there too. Absolutely. So they were self-aware. Yep. Right. It's, it's not, it's not camp. Like it's intentional. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, uh, I mean, especially, I don't know for Stan, especially with, Social issues. Can you call him Stan? Do you know him well enough to call <laughs> yeah. him? Yeah, oh, yeah. This is the 150th episode. After yeah. a while, yeah. it's just like, you know, you try to be I mean, you know, Mr. Lord Lee. If you, you know, like I know if him you think very we, well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just just ask him. Have him deny it. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so no, tell me more. What does Stan say? Uh, no, Stan's uh, always writing for for social issues. He's always uh, either overtly or you know, slightly off the soapbox, but this is a little more subtle for him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's Which all. is a trend I think we've been seeing more and more is like, because he was way out there and you can kind of, you feel like someone has the reins on him a little bit. Yeah. Also, he's doing other things. He's selling cartoons. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, if you think about like the Marvel script, the way that it was scripted, right? Right. It's inter- it's interesting to like think about like yeah who 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 has control of the story in those panels mm. right whether like it is script driven or art driven mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so yeah, that, yeah. that maybe makes a case for Gene yeah 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 trying yeah. to tell the story as well because you know Stan's just writing in the word bubbles after the fact right uh, it's Stan and yeah I he's not even yeah. noticing I it's two him. dudes at yeah. that point. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> possible <laughs> right uh, excelsior and such uh, <laughs> next excelsior and such <laughs> hashtag <laughs> uh so they're they're hanging out in this intimate moment uh suddenly they're interrupted by the whole building shaking like someone is shaking it which like they an are. orgasm <laughs> it's an orgasm yeah. <laughs> or that yeah uh-huh uh and it's the appearance of bulldozer which also sounds like a Judas Priest song, but um, and he's smashing the tenements with his bare fists, and um, they spring into action. So, uh, but shockingly, Bulldozer has the locals on his side. Uh, the residents of the neighborhood don't want Cap and Falcon to stop it. They say that the buildings, which presumably they live in, deserve to be torn down, and they think that AIM is on their side. Yeah. Yeah. So this no, is it's some... a shocking turn of events. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like when I first read this, I was like, that seems insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I dug into it a little bit more. So like, like the black widow story, this, the, this story is also kind of a reflection of the headlines of the day. Um, so like the sixties and seventies, not a super great time to live in Harlem, especially like late sixties to like mid to late seventies. Um, in 1968, the New York city buildings department received 500 complaints per day of rats in Harlem buildings, falling plaster, lack of heat, unsanitary plumbing. Um, and as resentment against neglectful landlords increased, um, some tenants responded by like stripping and selling wiring and fixtures from the buildings um, or otherwise just like messing up the buildings, uh, which, you know, causing damage that, of course, was also not getting fixed. Um, so as the buildings were falling apart more and more and more um landlords would convert a lot of them into what they called single room occupancies um, which were basically private homeless shelters um and in a lot of cases uh the income that they made from those buildings wouldn't cover the fines that the city was charging them for not maintaining them um or they just got even further damage that would have been too expensive to fix it so they just abandoned the buildings um and just left them to fall apart um, and in the seventies, this got so bad that, uh, for the first time since world war one, Harlem had a lower population density than anywhere else in Manhattan. 
um, because people were just abandoning it. Um, So, you know, probably not super surprising that uh, it's this is an oversimplification of a super complex problem. Um, But there was like definitely a lot of mutual contempt between landlords and tenants uh, in Harlem at the time. Um, So, you know, it's maybe it's not a great look for, you know, two white guys to be doing a comic book story about, you know, black people cheering on a supervillain who's destroying their neighborhood. Um, But it's at least an attempt to convey like some of the very real frustration um, that was there at the time. So there you go. The more you know. Uh, so Cap is not only trying to stop Bulldozer, he's also putting himself in between the police who are also trying to bring down Bulldozer and the locals who are trying to stop them. Uh, and Modoc is just delighted. Uh, he says, wherever people suffer, wherever they are downtrodden, they are ripe for exploitation. So long as slums and poverty and racism exist, I will have a breeding ground for my own form of evil. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, it's basically right out of the large head, tiny hands, megalomaniac <laughs> handbook. Uh, nice. nice. But unlike Modoc, uh, Cap has friends who he can call on for help. So friends like, you know, Tony Stark, who agrees to build him a specific gadget to help him turn the tables on Bulldozer. I love this moment where he calls Tony <laughs> and Tony's like, yeah, no, I got a minute. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm just walking around in my Iron Man. <laughs> 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 uh, so it's a, it's a device that can cybernetically jam Modoc's commands, making the robot do the exact opposite. Yeah, it's an oppositeator. <laughs> like, like, seriously, can I just say this as somebody who has been in the position of writing comics? Like, the narrative economy that happens here, it's like, it's like four fucking panels <laughs> yeah, yeah. where this happens. And it's a huge, you know, game changer in terms of the comic. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, we see Tony getting in the call, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'll do that." And then it's like he does it, and then yeah. it's done. Yeah, just yeah. go just like it. that. And we all go yeah. to lunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, done. It's amazing. It's a, it's it's really well done. Uh, when Reed Richards does this in Fantastic Four, it takes like half the comic. Like he leaves uh-huh. at page eleven to go work on the thing that's right, going right, to save right. everybody. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> well, he just hates Tony, like bam. Reed yeah. Richards hates spending time with his family. That's what that's all. About. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, so oh, I almost true. have it, but I dropped the screw. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, where are my tools? I'll be yeah, there in a like, minute, Sue. <laughs> any excuse to get away from it. <laughs> so uh, Captain Falcon followed Bulldozer to an abandoned church, the one place where Modoc wouldn't want him. And surprise, it's crawling with beekeepers. Uh, so Cap finds Modoc, who tries to kill our star-spangled hero with a mental blast. Like he said, he could do at the start of the story, remember? And then, uh, he, but apparently, Cap Shield can deflect Modoc's brain blasts, of course. Yeah. So things. Are and not he really says good. it, yeah. which I love. Yeah. I also, oh, yeah. Like I love these comics where they did they just say the thing? Mm-hmm. It's like obviously my shield will deflect your yeah. your brain blast. We're like, of course it does. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, like, it's, it's It's like right. two kids playing with action figures. That's great. Yeah. 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 Now right. it's canon. I like to imagine Cap testing it against brain blasts. You right. know, like, okay, try a harder brain blast right. now. And then, yeah. Yeah. Do it more. Do it oh, more. Yeah, because there's no maybe. He's sure, right? Yeah, he knows. Yeah. It, it, it deflects him. So um, so things are just looking bad for, for MODOK. Um, Cap's to the left of him. Falcon's to the right. And here's MODOK stuck in the middle with Bulldozer coming at him. Uh, cut off from MODOK's commands. Bulldozer goes nuts and wrecks the church around them. And... As athletic and agile as they are, Cap and Falcon have no trouble escaping before it collapses, but Modoc's mobility scooter gets stuck in some rubble and he can't escape just justice at the hands of his own creation. Yeah. Mm. Um, with Modoc, Aim, and Bulldozer defeated, Cap declares their job is done. And uh, but This Falcon- is the love story. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the proposal. But Falcon... No. Corrects him and says that his work on behalf of his people has just begun. Mm -hmm. And that's when Cap puts a hand on his shoulder and tells Falcon that it's their work because Captain America has finally found a partner. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if we can just back up one panel before that, like the lettering on that trap, I think is so amazing. You have that I one? don't. I don't know if I've got that one. Right there. Oh, right there. Yeah. I, like, oh. I love that yeah. so much. 
Hand lettering, man. Yeah. So the uh, character design for the, the old bulldozer, uh, that seems like maybe another draft. Like, it's like, what, what's <laughs> going on there? Like what? His, you feel like he's a first draft? Yeah. What yeah. Like, yeah. like, what if we had something like this and somebody else will make it better? Yeah, like, oh, you have tattoos? We'll figure that part out later yeah. for now. How about just like M's and W's and squares and stuff? We'll, we'll figure out. Yeah. Like, it's like a real Dave Batista. Yeah. I think it's, it's Gene Colan making a golem and then uh, that becoming something else when Stan yeah, it, starts it writing feel, on it. It feels uh, like yeah. something where they're like, we're never going to use this character again. Yeah, this is yeah, the yeah. disposable. Uh-huh. Yep. Gene's uh, known for his uh, astonishingly hilarious supervillains that are only there for that issue. Yeah. Um, and, and mostly uh, of the of the cone-headed, like, uh, what's the candy? The he chocolate, does, he chocolate does, kiss head? Yeah, uh, he, does, yeah. he does love a cone head. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so with this, the very next issue of Captain America becomes Captain America and the Falcon. And it marks the first time that a black superhero's name has ever appeared in the title of an ongoing mainstream comic book. And the first time a black superhero stars in an ongoing series. So it's a pretty pivotal issue for Marvel Comics with all of the nonsense we just went through. Um, and again, Stan doesn't exactly tackle a controversial social issue so much as tap dance around it. Um, but it's a pretty big deal that Marvel is taking their longest running and most patriotic superhero character and partnering him up with the first African-American superhero to the point where they're changing the title of the book. And I don't think this is going to solve racism, but it's a pretty bold move for the middle of the Nixon years. Yeah, it's yeah. something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something. something. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, there we go. Uh, we've got uh, one issue left. Um, I think this is the one that Chelsea has been most excited to talk about. So excited <laughs> to talk about it. I cannot right. tell you. So let's uh, let's see what those Avengers were up to this month. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Justine, can I get another glass of wine? Thank you. So uh, we're going to move on to Avengers number 83. I'm sure um, this is going to have us go three for three as far as solid stories about sociopolitical issues go. <laughs> um, the story is called Come On In, The Revolution's Fine. Mm -hmm. uh, so wait, Brian, are you, are you, are you going to be the one who talks us through this? Mm -hmm. And then I just want to get the like rules down. Yeah. So like, can I interrupt throughout? Anytime. Please. Yeah, At any point. I mean... If you're going to interrupt any story, this is the one. <laughs> this is this the is one. The one. Yeah. This is it. the one. How about it? All yeah. right. Um, Good. Yeah. So it's uh, written by Roy Thomas, art by John Buscema and Tom Palmer. So. Oh, no, no, no. You read all the boys' names. <laughs> all the boys' names? All the boys' names. It wasn't just those three. It was the whole, like, six people who worked on this guy. Well, we, they oh. don't credit colorists. They do credit the letterer. Um, but I know they didn't credit colorists back then. Um, but... Who did? Uh, I don't have the letter written down. Does anyone have the issue up? Chelsea, do you have the issue up? Herb Cooper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yep. I just think that's sort of adorable that Herb also worked on it. I'm just <laughs> saying it was it was like, which is like, I love this comic. Yeah. Can I just say I love it? Yeah. It's it's a wild ride. I it's a it is a ride. Yep. You there are some great twists. It is dream. fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah, I did use fever dream. And it's to all it. done by white boys. And yep. I think that is important to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So previously in Avengers, mm -hmm. uh, Roy Thomas has had a little bit of a mixed track record when it comes to how well his Avengers stories have aged over the years. Uh, who could forget his tale of Henry Pym, the original Ant-Man, uh, having a nervous breakdown and adopting the new identity of Yellow Jacket. He then forced himself on his girlfriend, the Wasp, before she figured out that it was him. Uh, but don't worry, it's totally cool when she figures it out. She plays along with his craziness so that she can trick him into marrying her. And yet I feel like that is a little bit of backstory for how she reacts in this particular issue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Roy, yeah. Roy, uh, that's not all. <laughs> yeah, Roy, Roy also unveiled the Man Ape, uh, who is a new Black Panther villain. Who is there's just no delicate way to put this. He's a black guy who dresses up like a gorilla, uh, and somehow Ryan Coogler figured out a way to redeem that character uh, in the Black Panther movie. I don't know how he pulled it off, but it was a minor. It was a major miracle. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Roy also scripted a two-part Sons of the Serpent story uh, where it turned out that the leaders of this racist supercrime organization were a pair of TV pundits, uh, one of who was white and one of who was black, uh, who were stirring up racial tensions for reasons. Uh, so 
Stanley gave us Marvel's first black superhero and first African-American superhero. Roy Thomas gave us Montague Hale, black, white supremacist. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have a really good feeling about this issue, guys. Uh, oh, yeah. I think Roy's going to turn it all around here. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, the story begins with uh, the Wasp, Janet Van Dyne, returning to Avengers Mansion. Uh, we have not seen her for about a year. Um, so off to a good start. I am a fan of the Wasp. Yep. Uh, she enters the meeting room to find several of Marvel's female superheroes sitting around the table. Uh, hold on. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, no, no, no. Okay. Back up. Uh, yeah. Because I, I want to say, like, I think in what, what we're not seeing here is the four panels above it. Right. Which just, which just show the, the sort of wasp coming home. Right. Mm. It's just sort of like the, her fluttery wings, you know, against various backgrounds. Like, I, like I love this layout. Yeah. And I think it's such a great page turn. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's an it's a marvelously done page turn mm-hmm. where you're introducing like, oh, it's the what we haven't seen her in a while. Like, yeah. We see her moving through various spaces. And then suddenly there's this big close up. She looks amazing. A mm-hmm. little bit blowjobby, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then she's like, what's this? Right. Oh, come on in. And it's like a marvelous page turn. Yeah. Like that. It's so beautifully done. Literally inviting Literally, the reader yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I just want to give some props. There. Well done. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so come on in. The revolution's fine. Um, there Such are Such a great payoff. Several of uh, Marvel's female Super superheroes. Super weird point of view visually. Yes. Yeah. Because she looks very tall. Um, but uh, yeah, Black Widow, Medusa, the Scarlet Witch are all there. And presiding over their meeting, uh, making her big debut, first appearance ever, uh, is the Valkyrie. Um, so if you saw Thor Ragnarok, uh, you remember Tessa Thompson playing her, uh, in that movie. Um, uh, but something is up. Uh, the Scarlet Witch tells Jan that it's Avengers mansion no longer, that from now on, this is our mansion, our headquarters for we are the liberators. Okay. Get it. Do you guys get it? <laughs> <laughs> to the ladies. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so in case you didn't get it, uh, Valkyrie notes that uh, the wasp loses the tiny wings on her back when she grows back to her full size. She also promises that she'll soon lose something else as well. The invisible shackles, which men have placed on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, duh. Yeah. Uh, so who is the Valkyrie? Why has she dedicated her life to the downfall of male supremacy? That is well, it a- turns oh. out. <laughs> This is uh, this is one of those moments where, like, I was just talking about this with someone else, where when they introduce a new character, yeah, you often feel like they've been there the whole time, and you're the one who doesn't know what's up. Yeah, yeah. it's the magic of Marvel. It yeah. really is amazing. Like, yeah. I, re- I was like, I've been reading these comics the whole time. Like, where has she been? But yeah, this and is can I first. say too, one of the like, just from a kind of creator point of view, like, I love how like the kind of like. Uh, the kind of cloudy outline, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like which you know of of the panel is it, it's just such a kind of clever, weird way to yeah. be like, oh yeah, I know this happened. Yep, yeah. It's and it's such a, like an old school Marvel way to show it. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah, the last one with the flashback had it too. And it's they, it's ridiculous also because she's like, I'm just a secretary, which is how they all start. Mm-hmm. Like by the way, in the 70s and 60s, <laughs> it's like oh, I was a secretary, and then it, like I sniffed a vial and I became a superhero. Yep. And that hap- like happened to a lot of women, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a class a action time. lawsuit. Yeah, there were just vials everywhere. Could. You could snort most things then, and it was fine, but not not vials. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But there she yeah. is, and he's being a jackass to her. Absolutely, because she she is. She is a scientist. She's trying to do science. She's trying to get his opinion on something. Yeah. He totally blows her off. Uh, he says, if I find I need a secretary, I shall contact you. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. snap. So, um, so uh, yeah. Um, so that, that guy's Dr. Irwin. He's going to come back. So remember that name. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, you know, the Valkyrie, she is rightfully insulted by Dr. Irwin's treatment of her. She mm-hmm. vows to show the old male fool. Uh, and all men, no matter how late she has to stay up working uh, to prove herself. And yet, I hope we show the next panel. Yeah, which is when she's just like, oh, I got tired and I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dang. So, and, so and, and, to, and to be clear, so it's close. it's not the fumes that knocked her out. Like, it's they're very clear. No. It's like she got tired. Uh-huh. She fell over. But she was still holding 
the smoking vial. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, when she awakens, she has Awake. discovered that she has somehow gained fantastic strength, unbelievable power. Yeah. She issues a warning uh, to... No, 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 no. We're not, no. So we're going to talk about this for a minute. Do she it. She somehow has, you know, all this strength and also an outfit. Yeah. yeah. All right. And it's not explained in the moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know, we're, we're going with it. But, mm-hmm. like, she has an outfit and a cape and boots. Yeah. She yeah. In one panel, she went from passed out to just. Now she's got an outfit. Yeah. Yeah. I also one of the things I love most about this panel is the specificity of the no parking sign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really is. This is probably the artist working through some parking ticket issues. It's it's totally the artist is like has like some serious experience with this sign. It clearly said I could park here, and I got a ticket. (laughs) He's, John has an axe to grind here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so does Valkyrie. She says, Bail show this so pigs fun. beware. Not the last time she's going to say that in this story. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, so far, so good. Uh, Medusa wants to know why Valkyrie is trying to convince them that the Avengers are their greatest enemies now. Um, so Valkyrie makes her pitch. Her sporting evidence is interesting. But she does have a whole, like, slideshow uh, yeah. at the Oh, least. she does. Yeah. Like, this is huge. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, like Valkyrie shows up and is it convincing. Like she's trying to convince all of these female heroes yeah. to like fight the patriarchy. Right. And so, she knew that would be a difficult sell. So she prepared up front with the photos and the. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's, she's got a whole slide carousel here. So. And yet it's really not that difficult. And that I find really interesting. So like, that's. I underst- that, like I understand yeah. there's a twist at the end, but like it's still amazing how people are like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Make your case for this patriarchy yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And the thing is, it's You're like right. some of the evidence she 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 supplies is like there's better ways to make this argument like so she tells the wasp that the yellow jacket is always hogging the glory but like doesn't make any reference to you know the creepy way that he treated her um or or, (laughs) yeah or or the turned his head into a splash yes or, or during their their like very strange wedding that really looked like a hostage situation, like none of the male Avengers like intervene on her behalf. Um, uh-huh. So you know, could have said that, but then that would be that'd be Roy criticizing yeah, I know his own story. There's stronger arguments so. to be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a misogyny sure. at this point. And yet, I feel yeah. like I do. I find it kind of incredibly charming how all of the women are mm-hmm. like, "No, you're right." Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know, as readers of the comics. Yeah. You know, that, yep. yeah, no, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. you have been underserved. Yep. And the fact that they jump on board this like weird project. Yes. Within a page. Yeah. Within yeah, a right, page. Right, right. <laughs> it, it does kind of like, yeah, it demonstrates something. I yeah. Think. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to just uh, skip. So she makes her pitch basically to each of uh, the female superheroes uh, in turn. Yeah, um, she's like, let's kill all the men. That's Basically. what she says. Really? No, this is kind yeah. of important, I think. It's like, let's kill all the men. In fact, let's kill all the, the male Avengers with whom you've been working for a while. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And they're all like within a page. Okay. Yeah. Because that's where feminism leads. Right. Yeah. 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 We're in. You're right. They are kind of gross. <laughs> So uh, they're all sold um, uh, yeah. in, in the name of women's liberation. They're 100% in. Yeah, they're going to take it to the streets. They're going to show the boys who's boss. Yeah. They're going to just, they're going to murder them. Um, so then we smash cut to. <laughs> no, this is the. This is the best thing. This is the best. This is the best. This is Rutland, Vermont. This is my home state. Um <laughs> We see uh, an assortment of superheroes and villains sitting around and enjoying a few libations. Uh-huh. You're like, I like what? the Cthulhu mention in the background. Yeah, too. yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, Excellent wait, question. Wait. What is Doctor Doom doing there? Why are they all hanging out together? Right. Well, I have questions. Yeah. Yeah. I have questions. I'll turn the page. What's going on here? So Nighthawk, uh, a supervillain who've been introduced to recently, points to the front door, which has just opened to admit four of the Avengers, Vision, Quicksilver, Black Panther, and Goliath, Goliath, a.k.a. Hawkeye, a.k.a. Hawkliath. 
and that's when we learn that Nighthawk isn't the Marvel supervillain at all, but a fellow named Tom Fagan who's throwing a Halloween party. Okay. What? <laughs> and who should be there but the writer of this story, Roy Thomas, and his uh-huh. then wife, Jeannie. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it's great. Say then, like, <laughs> first. Right. Yeah, okay. And so. Uh, it's all meta, you and then, guys. And, then, and so Roy, Roy gives his, his then wife uh, one line of dialogue uh, where he basically makes a joke about her not knowing who the Avengers are. So I think that's great. You know, it's yeah. like you're going to feature your wife, like make her the butt of a joke. <laughs> right, uh, right. And then uh, and, and move on. Um, fun fact, I, I learned this when I was doing some research. Uh, Roy wrote that the wasp yellow jacket wedding story when he was on his honeymoon with Jeannie. What? So oh, no. that adds another layer. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm pretty creeped out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why are the Avengers uh, showing up at this Halloween party? It's because they're riding on a float. Because they're there <laughs> for the 11th annual Rutland Halloween parade, of yeah. course. Sure. Sure. And can I say, I, I like, are we going to get, yeah. Like, I love, I love this so much because yeah. it's like the Avengers, at least the guys, because the women are all doing important shit. The guys <laughs> right. yeah. are like riding on a float at a Halloween party. Like, right. Yeah, in some small town in Vermont. Hey, it's the second largest town in Vermont. <laughs> like, do they have to, like, is that the kind of, like, are they that desperate for money? Like, uh, it was, so this is a thing. This is an actual honest to God thing that Tom Fagan organized every year. Um, and it was like, he would encourage people. Yeah. Hey, no, it was not for real. It was not for real because there were not real Avengers who came. Okay. But they, it was, <laughs> Touché. You're right. The Avengers are not actually real. <laughs> Thank Slow you down. for clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like this is a thing that they would do every year. Um, and this guy would like, he would encourage, he was a huge, he was a super fan in the, in the superhero comics world. Um, he would encourage people to show up dressed in costumes. It was like the first mass cosplay event ever. Um, and it was an annual thing. Um, no, like I love it. Like, yeah. I, and I, like I'm a such I'm such a sucker for the kind of meta comic. Yes, like, and just, it shows to see people dressed as is like character. Like I love that. I love it. And it, yeah, yeah, and it shows up yeah. uh, like this shows up again and again and again in comics yeah, in the seventies. There were um, there was a unofficial Justice League and Avengers crossover because the creators of the comics both went to the parade one year and they wrote a crossover between their books without their editors knowing about it. Yes, this is a real thing. So, yeah. So it's awesome. Uh, So this part is is awesome. This part is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, and Tom Fagan's usual costume of choice was Batman, but because you can't show Batman in a Marvel comic, they dressed him as Nighthawk. So. But we did get a little Batman up there in the back by the Batman. Oh my God, Batman! Yeah. So there you go. That that is a DC Comics dead man and Batman uh, hiding in the crowd. So. I, I also love how like the whole plan is for the bad guys to take over their float, and as yeah. soon as they take over their float, the good guys are like, "Those are the bad yeah. guys." Like, it's, 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 there's not even like a panel yeah. of transition. No, no, they absolutely. know right away. Yeah, they yeah, know immediately. And, and who are those bad guys? Well, it's the Masters of Evil, of course. Oh, masters of Evil. Uh, it's Claw, True. Whirlwind, Radioactive Man, and the Melter. And they are there to kidnap Dr. T.W. Irwin. Um, he is the same Dr. Irwin who behaved like a jerk to the Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. So you see, it's all connected. It's all yeah. coming back around. Um, he's been researching parallel time at Miskatonic University. Rob, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that sounds a bit Lovecraftian, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Mm. There you go. So there's little Lovecrafty bits all the way through. And that's the old witch from the Tales from, uh, yeah, Vault of Horror. I love the idea that in this parade, they have a professor on a float. Yep. 
Because why not? With his device. Yeah. With with his literally with his device, which looks like a carburetor. <laughs> he's got a carburetor. It's like a yeah. He's cradling yeah. on a float. Yes. yes. Yeah. So uh, the Masters of Evil make their move. Uh, the Avengers spring into action. Uh, but the Masters have the element of surprise. The fight starts going poorly for our heroes. Um, and fortunately, though, that's when the Liberators show up uh, in the Valkyries yeah, flying no, 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 horse no, 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 trade. Stop. Are we going to talk about this fight? <laughs> well, because I feel like it's been a long time, right? Sure. So like, we introduced this whole Liberator thing. Right. And then we go like a really long time. And suddenly oh, yeah. it's like it's like our boys on a float and like, oh, blah, blah, blah. and then suddenly, right, like right. eight pages later. Oh, right. here's oh, the that's Liberators. Right. There was yeah. a different Remember story that? going. Right. Remember the, the Liberators? Cover? Yeah. And then they show up, and so yeah, they now are right taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like the, the bad guys and the good guys. It's like the bridge in My Sharona, where it just goes on so long you forget what song you were listening to. That's and exactly it all comes back the reference I was going to make: the yeah. bridge in My Sharona. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a long we've been it's a long time. It has been a long time. It's been a third of the comic at least. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, uh, you know, Valkyrie, she's upset that the Masters of Evil are trying to kidnap Dr. Irwin before she can take her revenge on him. Uh, Wasp volunteers to zoom ahead and try to slow things down a bit. Valkyrie inspires her sister in arms by shouting, hurry, wench, hurry. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Is that the vision being melted by the melter? That's what he does. Yeah. It's right in the name. I'm sorry, can I just say their sex doll mouths are really <laughs> awful. <laughs> yes. Chelsea, earlier you said blowjobby. It's a very Yeah, that's what I, when I say sex doll mouths, I yeah. mean blowjobby. That's kind of implied, yeah. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the ladies, uh, they kick some ass. Um, Do they? Yeah. Tell us more Boom. about that. Well, uh, Wasp zaps. Uh, what's it? That's the melter right between the eyes, so vision can unmelt. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Widow runs up and just kicks Claw in the back of the head, which I think is a <laughs> pretty sweet move. Um, and then uh, drives his uh, his chin down onto Black Panther's fist. Uh <laughs> And then uh, uh, Whirlwind tries to spin uh, up to speed, but he just winds up getting tangled in Medusa's hair, uh, which is pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, Wanda hexes a tree into smashing down on the radioactive man's head, which Which I think kills him. I mean, that's super lame. Like Wanda can like change realities and she's like, I'll make a tree knock down on you. Yeah, but I think she killed him. (laughs) Oh. Uh, So the day is saved and the boys are grateful. Um, even uh, Quicksilver is like uncharacteristically uh, effusive with his praise. Um, and that's when the ladies turn on the fellas. Uh, Medusa grabs Quicksilver and flings him around, calling him a wretched male while his sister cheers her on. Um, and then uh, the Black Widow and the Wasp. Again, advance. in like two panels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're We're talking just, about two panels. They're just housing them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the widow and the wasp advance on T'Challa. He says he doesn't fight women, even superpowered ones. And like, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> they just zap him from different directions, put him down for the count. Um, and then here, this is the yep. payoff panel right here. Uh, the Valkyrie finishes off Vision and Hawk Live with a power blast from her, her spear and a cry of up against the wall, male chauvinist pigs. Oh, and. Honest to God, at this point, I, I sincerely cannot tell you if this is the worst Avengers issue I've, I've ever read or if it's the absolute no, best Avengers issue I've ever read. Whatever. It's the best. No, I think okay. it has gone all the way it's, around. It's going to slide. Okay. It's going to slide quickly yeah. in a moment. Mm-hmm. But in, t- like in this moment, in this moment, yes. it is the best one ever. Savor yeah. this yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yet. So. Uh, the Liberators have defeated the Masters of Evil and the Avengers and captured sexist Dr. Irwin, which isn't bad for four pages of work. Uh, <laughs> then they take them to Miskatonic University. Uh, As one would. Where, where Dr. Irwin shows them his experimental parallel time projector. 
but it's it's untested. It may explode uh, if he turns it on. Uh, but wait, why does Valkyrie uh, want the parallel time projector at all? This wasn't part of her pitch to the Liberators. Uh, it, what does this have to do with smashing the patriarchy? Uh, well, it turns out Valkyrie has not been playing straight with our heroes. Um, in fact, she's not the Valkyrie at all. What? She's the Enchantress. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, does someone want to remind us of who the Enchantress is? She's an evil Asgardian who uh, hung out with Scourge quite a bit. And uh, definitely. I, I, don't know. I feel like, uh, no, 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 no. I feel like evil oh. is kind of a patriarchal point of view. Sure. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. She is a morally ambivalent Asgardian. <laughs> Who yeah. has troubled Thor and the other uh, pantheon? She's we're familiar kind of, with. She's kind bit. of one of Marvel's great feminists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here <laughs> she is definitely. Uh, she might be Marvel's only feminist and underserving it, but yeah. She might like Same. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Last time we saw her was almost three years ago uh, in Incredible Hulk. Uh, she and her partner in crime slash love slave, uh, the Executioner, were exiled by Odin. <laughs> Um, well, she has him totally. Under That's her how spell. I describe my husband a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my husband slash. If it works, slash, if it works for you friend. too. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. So, and the deal is, if they ever uh, break out of this place where Odin has exiled them to, they'll lose half their power. Um, so, you know, they're getting by just fine until. Another lady shows up, um, and it's not just any lady, uh, but she is the ruler of the realm. Uh, she seduces the executioner, woos him away from the enchantress, who is not a woman who this is, is used to flashback. having. This yeah, is, she, yeah, two panels. Yeah. Yeah. Enchantress is not used to having uh, fellows wooed away from her. Um, She's so, not. No, yeah, that's her whole so thing. No, is, I don't like this at all for her. Yeah. Um, and then so uh, she says, in that hour, that moment, I vowed all males should one day feel my wrath supreme. Uh, and not only that, we learned the Enchantress managed to convince the Liberators that they should resent their male counterparts, not for the very legitimate reasons that they have to be mad at them, yeah. but because she hoodwinked them with magic spells. Um, so, yeah. yeah, the whole thing falls apart yeah. at the end. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> if I'm reading this correctly, Roy Thomas is putting forth a theory that women become feminists because they're either angry at the dudes who dumped them or because other feminists use witchy magic to cloud their minds. Yeah. And no, I, I think that's an accurate read. Yeah. I, oh. I, yep. I don't know when this turned into an issue of Cerebus the Aardvark, but um, yeah. yeah, it's... One and a half pages from the end is yeah, what it did. Yeah. It was so abrupt. It was doing so well. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's, it's so great. Like, it's so... Like, Yes. Honestly, even even with the weird turn yeah. it takes, I think it's such a great comic. It is for real good. So many great, like yeah. I really love it. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and even for its time, you know, mm -hmm. for its time, it's a great comic. Yeah, yeah. It definitely yeah. does a lot very quickly. It there's does a do a lot, lot very quickly. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot in this. Uh, so let's we'll just wrap up here. I mean, basically. She's like, okay, uh, I'm going to use the time thing to get back to, back to Asgard and restore my power or something. Uh, she tries to destroy all the Avengers. Uh, the Scarlet Witch uh, hexes her back. Um, and when the dust clears, there's just a big hole in the ground where the Enchantress used to be. So she has definitely been destroyed. She will never return. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did and, she? Did she? I wonder. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, we, the question is, like, how did Scarlet Witch know to be ready? Um, uh, and she says, well, it's because the Valkyrie called Jan Wench in a tone she once used at me. Um, so it wasn't just a mild slur. It was an important plot point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we exit on a line from Hawk Lyoth, who definitely isn't trying to compensate for anything by he's always walking so, around at 12 feet tall. He's such a fucking oh. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He says, well, at least I'm glad of one thing. You birds finally learned your lesson about that women's lib bull. Oh. And Wanda, maybe for the first time ever, gets right up in his grill. Mm -hmm. And she tells yeah. him to cut that shit out or she will whip his ass again. <laughs> and that's basically it. No, 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 no. It's not. Because what I think with the, with the most important line here uh -huh. is the wasp. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what she says. She's like, yeah. Because uh, she, she, she's been Wanda. introduced as the most reasonable kind of like female. She's sort of the yep. POV for the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. For her to say, you know, Wanda, they just might at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is like, I think the most important line. Yeah. Yes. Book. Yeah, I agree. I think it's time for the liberators. Maybe somebody could write a comic. Oh, oh. would that be great? <laughs> I would- oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. that's. That's our comics, uh, and that's our show. Um, Chelsea. Um, Chelsea, thank you so much for for helping us wrestle through all of that. Um, I love you guys. We have a, a small thank you gift for you. Um, uh, this is a limited edition 2022 uh, Lego International Women's Day promotional set. Oh, shut um, up. Give it to me now. As you can see, it features uh, Jane Goodall uh, surrounded by three apes uh, who she's, I guess, trying to teach to communicate. Um, so there you go. I will treasure this always. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the apes are not men. It's hard to tell, sweetie. They are Devo. We'll explore later. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for making our uh, second live show. Yes. A wild success, I think. I mean, and you've had alcohol, right? So. Come on. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Marvel by the Month. You can follow us on Twitter at Marvel BTM. Uh, Man Eaters: The Cursed just came out in trade paperback. Buy it. Buy a copy. Buy yeah. ten copies. <laughs> I'm halfway so through the witchcraft for children oh, it's so good. section of the book right now. It's so good. <laughs> uh, and for uh, Marvel by the Month, I'm Brian Stratton. I'm Rob Mill. I'm Jamie Wenger. And I'm Chelsea Kidd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Now go home, stay safe, and stay inside and read comics. Thank you. Thank you.